Today on the QL Podcast, the NHL wants to come back in December, possibly, of next season. And will we have the remainder of the 1920 season for the American Hockey League? And what does this mean for the future of minor league hockey going forward? And we're going to look into the possibilities and the possible outcomes of the Tory Krug contract negotiations. We're going to talk about that and more on this episode of the Keel Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Cule Podcast. I'm your host once again, the insider to the insiders, Tyler Cule, and another fairly light show for this Tuesday, April the 28th, the final Tuesday of the month of April, which, as I kind of just say that now, has blown by pretty fast, looking back on it. And, you know, it's funny how March just kind of drudged along, and it got worse and worse, and Pretty much the nice part about all of this, if anything, for myself, is that the wife and I got a nice, long, extended honeymoon, if you will. It's been nice. You know, we got to relax. We got a lot of time together. We watched more and more friends, which is great. But it's, yeah, it's when, let's put it this way, folks. I have started to know what they're going to say when myself when I know what they're going to say. That's when you know how much I've watched of the show, friends. I have been with Kelly now, my wife. We have known each other since November of 2014. So that's six, about five and a half years now, if you're doing some math, a little over five and a half years. No, actually less than five and a half years. Anyways, regardless, long time. And... For that, I have never seen a person get so involved in a TV program ever. Let's put it this way. I, my first binge I ever did, when I, my family first got Netflix, I binge-watched How I Met Your Mother. I had always seen the previews when I was watching the NFL on CBS. I'm like, this could be an interesting show. Watched it through and through. I had At that point, the show was still you know, producing new episodes, so I had watched all the way up into the new episodes. So I was pretty much well caught up in probably a month. <laughs> well, it was a month because I was actually doing stuff. I wasn't just binge watching the entire weekend. However, I ate a lot of Cheez-Its during that time. Anyways, but I had never seen someone watch something so like Friends obviously has had this great following and it'll be long-standing forever, which is awesome. And Kelly actually donated a lot to the All In Challenge, which her friend Ashley did as well, and I've done some other things. But she donated to the cause that gives her an opportunity to meet the cast of Friends when they do their HBO special or something like that. So, and I get it. Friends is a great show. But how can somebody watch episode after episode after episode I, I joke and I say the hyperbole, she's watched it 30 times, but I'm pretty sure it's only half of that. I love to ask her. I mean, it's it's a funny show, and I get it. Some people don't like it, and some people think it's dumb, but I find it funny. Now, when you ask what's my favorite TV show of all time, I can't necessarily answer that with wholehearted honesty. Because if you look at nostalgia, 
I can go back to the day when I used to watch Gargoyles all the time as a kid and the cartoons, you know, how, you know, the 90s, mid-90s Disney and ABC's One Saturday Morning used to be the stuff of legend. And now, you know, as I grew up in my college years, it was How I Met Your Mother because that's what I watched all the time. And and there have been other shows that I've gotten really hooked on. Like I now watch Frasier from time to time and I love listening. I've loved watching that show. Never got, you know what? Cheers and Frasier. I'm more of a fan of Frasier to be honest with you. That's a hot take for some. If, if you are old enough to know what I'm talking about, thank you. If you're a youngin, if you're younglings, if you're barely able to legally drink in the United States, I'm sorry. You probably have no idea what I'm talking about. However, Frasier Crane and Cheers, both on Netflix. I was a very, for the longest time before Netflix ripped it off and was complete turds about everything. I used to watch Mash, not religiously, but I, that was my show I was going through. And let me tell you, I had this was back in the day in the seventies when they would have shows. Seasons would not be seven or eight episodes or man, you can't miss it or else, you know, in just a month, in a month and a half, the season will be over. Like you see shows nowadays, they have like maybe nine or 10 episode seasons, if that. The first season of MASH had 26 episodes. I, now that's just me going on a whim because I remember it was an egregiously large number. And I think they went, what, 200 episodes? I think their last one was their 200th, you know, the two-hour show. My grandfather still has it recorded on a VHS tape in his house. He still has it. And I had watched the final episode and everything, and it's just it's sad as I'll get out. But that's how the show had to end, though, of course. But love MASH. Love that show. But I've never... It's so weird. And to that, we're, that's what we're talking about these days of what shows we binge watch. And that's always kind of a joke. You know, hey, you're in college, you know, sitting there doing nothing all weekend. And, oh, you know, your friends are out partying or whatever. You're sitting at home with, you know, your, your own beer and all your own drinks and stuff like that. Binge watching something on Netflix or Prime or Hulu or whatever. There's nothing wrong with that. But now it's like almost like that's all we can do. And it sounds like there's plans being put in place to turn that around. Heck, I was driving down 20. I was driving down here in Grand Rapids today. About 10 or so people on the golf courses. And now it's getting a little fuzzy over here because there are some courses that are allowing golf carts and some that aren't, obviously because of, you know, germs being passed on to the golf carts. But, you know, I still wouldn't mind go playing around to golf. Mind, I wouldn't mind walking. It's raining. It's pouring buckets right now. Granted, it is 940 at night, so nobody's playing golf anyways. But, you know, it's still a fun thing I would like to do. I may do that on Saturday. It's supposed to be nice weather this weekend. I may go do that Saturday morning. Yeah, it'll be busy, but nobody else will be, everyone else will be walking too. So as long as I keep the ball on the fairway, don't have any problems. By that, I mean, I'm going to probably buy like 100 golf balls. And if I can't find mine in like 30 seconds, just going to take a drop. What the country club is not keeping score? Who are you guys kidding? That's also implying that I'm involved in a country club, which is a an absolute lie, as I'll get out. Let's put it this way, folks. If I was involved in a country club, I am pretty sure, first of all, I'd probably have that country club sponsor today's episode of the Kill Podcast brought to you by blank amount of rich people. But probably also, we'd also try to get on the radio in some form, you'd think, right? 
I mean, we'd obviously have the podcast here for you avid listeners on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. But we would also like to have, you know, live radio. That'd be kind of neat, wouldn't it? Get out there and spread our great information with the world, our great hockey info. Because, unfortunately, there's really no big hockey hour. Yeah, you have your serious XM shows, and you have your... There's some cities that have like an hour block for hockey talk. I know that I think 97.1 in Detroit, I don't think they have a Red Wings hour. They have like, they obviously talk about Detroit sports throughout the time, but there's never hockey centric talk. But of course, in today's age, there's so many of us hockey podcasters out there that there's no excuse for saying I can't get any hockey info unless you just, unless unfortunately you're just not well versed in digital items such as cell phones, laptops, because there's all sorts of stuff. Shoot, if you're on Spotify right now, you search hockey podcast, we're probably at the bottom of the barrel. That's probably how it goes. If you go on Google Podcast, we're probably one thousandth. Apple Podcast, same way, iHeartRadio, we're probably just jump change. But then again, we're just glad we can be here. We're glad you tune into us. We're happy. I mean you may listen to other shows that are probably much more, you know, well-educated folks and probably, you know, I guess more proper, more fitting folks that are credited, I guess. That's another way to say it. But then again, that's what I'm trying to do. So eventually, folks, you can look back on these episodes of the Kill Podcast and say, hey, that guy knows what he's talking about. He is a credited broadcast journalist person guy. That's my goal in life is just for that. Just so people can look back on this show. Who am I kidding? That'll be the day. That will be the day. That'll be the day I pull up my Rolls Royce to my exclusive office away from my house. It'll probably be in like next to the pool house because I'll have three of those. I'll have an in-ground pool, an above-ground pool, and an indoor pool next to my three separate pool houses and my five-story mansion with three helicopters sitting on top of it. Probably its own personal hospital so Kelly can do a private practice. That's how rich I'm going to be, boys and girls, because broadcasters, they make bank. Okay, not really. I mean, we, we, we make a good amount of money, but it, it's, it takes a while to get there. Trust me, I, I know a lot of great people in the industry, and we all kind of chuckle about it, and it's like, oh, yeah, we, we make money all right. Trust me, we don't do this for the money. We do this for the love of it, and that's why we're glad we can be here. At least I can be here right now. We're expecting Alex to come back in a couple of weeks. He's just finishing up exams right now in finals, so tough tough goal here for the kid. He's obviously busy right now, and I'd say I know how it feels, but then again, when I was in college, I didn't take it seriously. Maybe that's why I still work a full-time job on top of this. Anywho... Let's get to some action here, some actual news and a couple of tidbits I wanted to get to here today. One thing that was kind of been floating around for a little bit, kind of hush-hush, but now, now is kind of starting to come about is the future of this current season of the American Hockey League. So one of the things I was reading yesterday, found it on, I found it on a couple of a couple tweets here and there. I'm like, What's going on? I'm trying to piece it all together. I went on tsn.ca and then I found the big old headline scene report, HL season likely to be canceled. And it's with David Andrews from pretty sure 19, 
1998. Why do I know this? Because the Portland Pirates have are hosting the All Star Game, which is which is being sponsored by Time Warner Cable. That's how old this picture was. I don't know why this is the only picture TSN has of David Andrews, but regardless, I'm going to quote the thing, quote the article that I read here. Quote from the article: A person with direct knowledge of discussions tells the Associated Press it is like it's quote quite likely. End quote. The American Hockey League will cancel the remainder of this of its season because of the new coronavirus pandemic. End quote. And it's greatly possible. And I believe you know nothing's imminent. There's another thing they're saying, and it is tough. And AHL president David Andrews, who's still holding on to his job till the end of this season, whenever that may happen, said the league is quote pivoting. End quote to the 2020-2021 season while nothing official regarding this current season. And if you if you kind of just think about it, the American Hockey League is a very it's a much differently ran league than the NHL. Granted, yes, it is the top feeder system to the to the NHL. It's the number 1 minor league. It's most likely if you can compare it to the KHL, the second best league in the world, what have you. And if you folks remember our interview with Todd, my interview with Todd Crocker back in December, we kind of went on on that little bit of how the league is different. That not everyone plays everybody the same. The East Coast, the Eastern Conference plays the Western Conference based on region. You're not going to see Rochester go play Bakersfield that often. You're not going to see you know San Antonio travel all the way up to Laval that often, unless the teams agree upon it. That's literally kind of like a college schedule, if you will, where say, yeah, we'll come up and drive to play you guys like Arizona state playing up against Maine or something. That's, you know, that's kind of that sort of scenario and that outlook. So why does this kind of concept on the way the AHL is ran schedule wise affect this current season? The reason being is that now you're looking at a possibility of having teams to travel where it's kind of hard to do that. And these are obviously barns that are being held empty because there's no concerts going on. And yes, technically, in theory, you could pull this off. However, getting the players to come back and having them play their schedules while the NHL is still very uncertain at this point, it's believed that the AHL is just saying, you know what? Not going to work this season. Not going to happen. Let's just kind of allow, let's just let this season go. Let the NH the AHL players that have NHL contracts go up to the big clubs. We'll find a way. I think the odds that they're going to have to. I think the AHLers were still getting paid, if I'm not mistaken, because they get paid to the end of the season. So obviously, no playoff bonus, which is obviously a bummer for a lot of these teams, a lot of these players, because I. I have talked, I mean, I skated with Grandpa's Griffins. I've skated with guys who played in Houston when they had a team, Iowa, a lot of guys that play in the AHL. Let me tell you, a playoff bonus that they get, it's a good chunk of change. It's not, you know, no pennies here. We're talking the good dollar amount to be in the playoffs, and you get obviously a championship bonus and all that other stuff. Regardless, they want that, but... It's a, such a weird scenario right now that the AHL is like, you know what? It's just going to be too much cost to get our league back up and running. Granted, yes, the NHL does support the AHL to an extent, but obviously 
the way the schedule is put together and traveling, transportation, it's different than the NHL. There are few teams that have grade A transportation like some of the NHL do. It's a lot different than it used to be because you, obviously teams like Bakersfield, Stockton, the California teams have to be able to fly and a lot of Western the Central Division teams have to worry about flying out there, vice versa. Whereas Grand Rapids play Chicago, Grand Rapids goes up and play the Marlies. They go down to Cleveland to play Lake or play the Monsters. They bust there. They don't fly there. They go over to play Iowa. They bust there. They don't fly there. They go play Milwaukee. They bust. San Antonio, I think, is a flight. Charlotte, that's a flight. But it's not as, you know, not as easy as Detroit. We're going to play Chicago, you know, the Red Wings. They're going to play the Blackhawks. All right, let's get on Red Wing 1 or Red Jet, whatever they call the jet nowadays. We're going to take the 30-minute flight down there because busing is too much for these players. And, of course, then again, they're usually there a day in advance anyways. But that's just how the game works. That's how the AHL works. So now I'm sure if – I don't know what the statement would be if this report is true, whether or not they're probably going to go around the bush saying it's not right now you know, imminent, it's not really – feasible to put the rest of the season together and try to adjust the schedules and, you know, make sure the playoffs would work and, you know, obviously the safety of the players, because think of it this way, like I said, they bus together players on a bus. If you've ever ridden charter buses before, unless you're only carrying, you know, 18 guys, unless you have like a, like a gosh darn luxurious charter bus, it's tight. And I had been on Ferris 8's bus before because I – quick story here. We were playing Northern Michigan my sophomore year up in Marquette. Middle of January, cold up in the Upper Peninsula. And our bus driver turned the bus off and couldn't get it started up in the morning. We had our second game against the Wildcats. So thankfully, at the same hotel we were at, the Fair State basketball teams were there playing Northern Michigan. They were staying at the exact same hotel and everything. So they were actually able to drop their team off, come back and pick us up. Their bus was bigger than ours. I, I'm not afraid to say that. So yes, you could, in theory, put a hockey team together. However, once again, despite each player having their own two-seat section, you are looking at putting players within inches of each other for long trips and such like that. That's that's the part that you don't want to risk. NHL players, you can put them on flights, and maybe it's better. I don't know. I don't know how the NHL is going to do it. We're going to get to that here in just a second. But it's an extremely tough situation that David Andrews, who is supposedly in his last season with the American Hockey League, that was initially the whole plan which is probably why he, I don't, okay, I'm not going to say that's why he wants to get out of this. No, I'm just saying that's probably why it's understanding, you know, hey, let's, I know this wants to be a great last hurrah for David. He's been in the league for many years, a great mind, but you got to think of what's, what's best for the league and what's best for the game itself. Listen, money is lost across the board. Every league, name it, ECHL, SPHL, AHL, NHL. Everyone's losing money in all this. 
it doesn't matter if the NHL does come back for a playoff and have a Stanley Cup final and everything, there's going to be a salary cap rollback. It's almost imminent at this point. Go to the American Hockey League, guess what? These teams are losing money. While some of these teams are owned by the teams themselves, there's a lot of private owners. The Grampus Griffins, affiliated of the Detroit Red Wings, the DeVos family, a big member of the Amway Corporation, own the team. Now, with that, obviously, the DeVosses are pretty well off without the Granite Griffins. So they could imperceivably imper- take a loss on a minor league hockey team. Because, well, Amway, if you guys haven't heard of it, it's a pretty big deal. So they could easily skate by on it. No pun intended. Actually, full pun intended. So I'm interested to see, you know, if the AHL, when they if they release a statement, if this does come through, that they do cancel the rest of the 2019-2020 season, if they put a reason out. Now, granted, if it's since it's hockey, it'll be the most bland, non-descriptive answer, non-descriptive release ever. But that's just how the game works. Would we like a reason? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure there'll be a reason to come out and. And David Andrews, I'm sure, will go out to a lot. He'll have a lot of big old press tour, big old media, you know. He'll probably run the gauntlet or something like that on getting radio call-ins and such. But it's an important time right now to think, you know, what's best for the, what's best financially for the league, but what's best for the members of the league. That's the hard part. And that's what we're all thinking, you know, considering is, and I remember we talked about it, on, they talked about it on 31 Thoughts with Elliot Freeman and Jeff Merrick. And this is kind of what got me thinking of this scenario here. When I first read this report, by the way, I'll, I'm going to be 100% honest with you folks here. When I heard that the AHL was likely to be canceled, my first thought was I was for next season. I had initially thought they had already canceled their season because every other minor league team did. And at my point, you know, I because trust me, I follow the Griffins, I follow the Marlies. There's no point. There's nothing. The season's over. If the NHL can barely squeak the rest of their playoffs in, how can the AHL do it? You're just adding more to something that we don't need any more issues added at this point in our world today. So when I did read this report, I'm thinking next season, which made me immediately say, the season's over, not a chance, no point in me trying to get a job somewhere else because there's nothing. It's such a weird time right now that I, that's what I thought And because if teams take such a big loss on this, we may lose a couple teams unless the NHL clubs buy you know, these independently owned teams, individually owned teams, I should say, excuse me, not independent because that kind of puts it in a little bit of, of a different moniker, if you will, in terms of affiliation status and all that. But that said, you almost have to wonder, what does this mean for next season? For not just the AHL, but the ECHL, and all the way down through even junior hockey. There may be some teams that we may, we may have watched this past season that may not be here next year. There are some teams in the AHL that don't make a whole lot of money. Thankfully, the, a lot of these teams, from what I've, you know, people that are, that are around the game and around the business of the game, 
a lot of those teams are owned by the NHL or by the NHL teams. So they're able to to get a, get away with it and get by with that. Regardless of that fact though, you go down to the ECHL. There's a lot of not many teams are owned by the NHL down there. There's a lot of privately owned teams and even a few independent teams down there and they just how will they be able to get through? Junior hockey. Boy, you talk about a type of a sport that has changeover more than anything. That's junior hockey. If I told you folks what the the North American Hockey League, which is junior A tier two here in the United States, comparably, I don't want to say junior B, but it's around, that's kind of the same level. If you're going down just a simple level, thinking at it very, I don't say logically, but just looking at the way the divisions work, it's the third, it's the second best league of junior hockey in the United States. Whereas in Canada, it goes major junior, which is the CHL, the Quebec League, OHL, WHL. Junior A, which is your OJHL, your NOJHL, CCHL. Out West, it's the British Columbia Hockey League, the Alberta Junior Hockey League, Saskatchewan Junior League. There is a AAA Quebec League, a Maritimes League. And there's Junior B and Junior C, which there's hundreds of those leagues across Canada. But how many, how much changeover there is for those teams quite frequently, unless there's a lot of local support, owners change hands in those leagues all the time. So if owners, you know, that run their own businesses realize that they're losing money on this team, you're going to see a lot of disbandment. You may see some junior leagues across, you know, North America kind of get a little bit smaller. You may see some professional leagues get a little bit smaller. Whether some of these organizations suspend play just for one season till they can get back on their feet indefinitely or just have to fold the franchise and sell them. It is an extremely tough time right now. I mean, hopefully, you know, there are some people out there that are willing to help out and you can only hope and pray. But at this time right now in the world we live in, it's very difficult to see people trying to, you know, spend, you know, certain amounts of money to keep a hockey team afloat and these weird odd times we're involved in. I wish I could say that there'd be people out there willing to give an arm and a leg for hockey teams, but it's across all sports. Think about all your single, your local single A or double A minor league baseball teams. Major league baseball is already considering on kind of reconfiguring the minor league system. Now this just gives them a perfect excuse to kind of put their hand in there and kind of change it around. If obviously teams aren't making money, you may see a lot of lower single A teams go away. A lot of independent leagues have to fold. Summer leagues, psh, good luck with that. Then again, summer leagues are ran differently, so maybe they'll be able to wait until next season. That said, though, there's a lot of change over that. There's a lot of minor basket, you know, minor pro basketball out there that is going to have some change over. Some football, some semi-pro football leagues won't be able to be around. I'm trying to think of other sports that you may find. I mean, gosh. I mean, how will the USL do? The United Soccer League, the feeder to the MLS. Grand Rapids FC here in town just got bumped up to, I think, USL 2. How are they going to, I mean, shoot, will there be a GRFC next year? It's such a weird time right now because we don't know. I would love to say there'll be a snap of the fingers come, you know, June or July and 
everything will be clean again. It'll be clear. We'll be able to go outside, watch some baseball, get ready for football. And yes, we'll have a hockey season with 20,000 people piled into arenas. That's just not going to happen. I'd be lying to yourself, lying to you guys right now and say, we're going to get through this together. It's going to quick turnaround. It's going to go away. I don't see it happening, guys. If I set foot in an arena next season as a fan, buy a beer, sit down, it would be not a miracle because there is a way to do it. I'm not going to get into it because it may turn political for some of you, and I'm not going to do that. But it would be kind of a lofty goal for that to happen. Yeah, I'll be in a rink, and I'm, I, oh boy, I hope and pray. I'm not going to wood right now. At least I hope I can come back to Davenport next year. Because I don't know what college hockey is going to be like. I know UConn, we talked about a little bit last week, how they're going to cancel all their fall sports. UConn is, which is has a team in, in Hockey East. And I just, I don't know, guys. I don't know to what extent there's going to be. I mean, yes, I know everyone's pushing for at least the major leagues to have seasons next season. Next season's next season. This coming fall, or at least trying to get MLB, they're getting closer, I know. There's talks of you know some training, some practices, and players getting out for baseball. That's a great sign. Probably be in front of empty stadiums and whatnot. But for less frugal Sport leagues, sport sport teams. I guess yeah, I can say it frugal. Is that a good way to say it? It's hard to imagine how these teams are going to be able to get through. And because don't forget, you know, you talk about the struggles of playing in minor league hockey, of having to bus everywhere. Minor league baseball. Think about these college teams. They bust everywhere. You're not going to see Yale fly over to Princeton. Then again, Yale and Princeton aren't that far apart, but regardless, you're not going to see teams make long trips. You're going to see, if anything, you may see next year, a lot of, you or excuse me, you, won't, you will not see a lot of intercollegiate matchups for sports. You won't see teams traveling across the country. You know, everyone talks about those big football games, those college games, you know, the first week of the year, Clemson playing Alabama. I guess that's not too bad because regionally it's not too far, but you're not going to see Alabama travel to Dallas to play USC or something like that. I'm, I'm just going on a limb. I'm not saying that's the matchup, but there's going to be some change. And I know there was the report today that MLB is considering doing a full realignment for next season, at least in terms of scheduling and stuff like that. And I'm not going to get into that because it's not a baseball podcast. Like I said, you're on a podcast network. I'm pretty sure you could find some good baseball content. I know The Athletic has some baseball shows and stuff like that. Speaking of The Athletic, let's get more into this NHL talk here. Whether or not how the playoffs are going to work, there has been reports today that the NHL is considering extending their quarantine, their self-quarantine and their delay through the middle of May. Or at least that delays it to the middle of May, hoping they can kind of get back into practice and training camp and whatnot. And it's all kind of wondering at this point. I mean, it's all wonder. You're hoping the sooner they start. And I remember when we had Thomas Biondo a couple weeks ago, we had him talking about how important it would be 
to kind of get the season going back and going back soon. But then I was dinking around on the old athletic today. I saw something from our good friend, Pierre Lebrun. I, I say good friend, but good guy from TSN. He writes for the athletic. Used to be on Hockey Night in Canada. Gosh, 10 years ago now. It's, it's been a while since he's been on there. Then again, that's before Rogers bought everything. And now there is possibly, according to Pierre Lebrun, and according to his, something he hinted at, something he's heard from around through the grapevine, as he's saying, that there has been a talks that next season is still possibly delayed until December. Now, there was talks that they were initially going to probably have the season start in November, kind of how the NBA works out. But now they're possibly going into December. Now, this is kind of tough. Because if you're already going into November, you're skipping the bye week that the league has installed. The All-Star weekend's a joke. And the Christmas holiday break may just be Christmas Eve and Christmas. So Boxing Day, there'll be action again. Then again, it's been kind of the case. But they kind of have the freeze around the 22nd. Usually that's the last game before Christmas. But now you're looking at an extended playoffs because now, and here's the kicker too. And I'll say his quote, quote, the kicker is that the league still hopes to cram a, in a full 82 game season, even with a December, December start and quote from the article. Now you're hoping at this point that you're going to maybe go into you're looking, obviously, going into August. So that will give teams four months to, I guess, have an offseason, have free agency, and what have you. And that the playoffs and regulars, regular season would go into May and playoffs into July, which would pretty much at least kind of give an opportunity to start. Now, this is not what he's saying in here, but this is kind of what I'm taking through this is that you could start the 2021, 2022 season, which by the way, would be the Seattle NHL franchise's first season. You'd be starting there closer to November. And then you would have at that point, all things considered knocking on wood, crossing your fingers, hope to die that you would have a proper start time in October for the 2022, 2023 season. Now that's granted that we have the CBA figured out. Anyways, so the big thing about this whole scenario, as I still look it through Pierre Lebrun's article, the two reasons why the December start will actually work. The length of time that it will take to complete this current season, the 1920 season, if it, it does get finished up, if it does, several teams will have to go as late into September and maybe even October that some league executives or team executives, excuse me, they're willing to go in September and October, which by that point, you're kind of setting yourself up for a very short off season. And, you know, you're almost hoping that at that point you could have fans that late into the season. And another point that Pierre Lebrun made was the fact that they need fans back in the arenas before the next season. Because if you go this long without fans, you know, money at the gate, it's 
That's, I mean, that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money teams are missing out on. So you're hoping that by December, you could still have some fans. Now, there is, like I said, the possibility of how you could put fans into an enclosed space, like an arena, without you know being too close to each other. I know some of you that have been to many, many rinks. Trust me, I, I've been to Scotiabank Arena. That third deck, it's a little tight. But if you limit the number of fans you have, you have more likely of a chance to keep them separate from each other. And it's not going to be easy. I mean, obviously, you're hoping that everything gets better. And, you know, fifths and butts or candy nuts would all have a Merry Christmas. I, I guess you almost you want the league to have a full season. Now, granted, yes, in 12-13, they played a 48-game season and they played abbreviated schedule back in 94-95. But here's the thing. You want to have an A2 game season, and or at least close to it. You're looking at, like, even if you do a schedule where you eliminate the second game against interconference opponents. So if you're looking at, you know, looking at the Leafs, you'd only see Anaheim once, whether that be, would that be at home? Would that be on the road? Who knows? Would they just eliminate those games altogether? And, you know, if you think about it, I know it makes it a little bit odd because for one more season, the Eastern Conference and Western Conference are differing numbers. There's still 16 teams in the East, 15 teams in the West. That will change next year, so there'll be no problems of having an odd number of conference teams. So you'd look at possibly, say, you play your divisional opponent four times next year. So that gives you a grand total of 28 games. If you play the other division three times, if you're in the East at least, you would play 24 more games. What does that put you to, kids? 52 games. That's why you play the opposing conferences as many times as they do. Now, if you're in the West, yes, you'd have to add a couple more games to keep up with that number. But hear me out here, folks. Say we play a little bit more. How about we go six games against your divisional opponents? Hear me out here. I made changes as I'm going. This is literally on a stream of consciousness. Let's follow along here. Don't fall off the tracks, please. Unfortunately, this train that we're riding on is on a bridge, and the bridge is a long way from the bottom of the ground floor that we're looking at here. Six games against your other opponents. That gives you 42 games right there. You play... The other division, four times, that puts you at 32 plus 42. That gives you 74 games. Now, why can't now you say, of course, when I say that, why can't we just add more games? We can't add eight more games. So now let's dial back to the 24 you play against the other division. 24 plus your, others, uh, your six games against other teams, that gives you 66 now, that sounds a little bit more reasonable. 66-game season may not be the worst thing. And the NHL, who thrives on that divisional rivalry, they keep trying to pound down our throats, which is why they created this system we have now, 
not the eight-team playoff system, the it needs to be three from each division and so on and so forth, you are looking at something that changes the game. And we can go into what's going to happen with the realignment of having 16 and 16, how you can just do the top four from each division. We'll get into that story a different day. Maybe when this proverbial offseason happens, as I throw the quotes up in the air, because we don't know what that's going to be like. But there is a possibility. And you want to get close to a full season as possible. The reason why they didn't do it 12 and 13 was because of the, con- of the, the lockout. It was a different scenario. It was two sides being driven apart, and that's why they said, it's not your money. Who cares? 48 games is what you're going to get. They were able to put that from January through late June. I think that was one of the latest Stanley Cup finals we ever had was that series between Chicago and Boston. I'm not sure if we can, at this time, say what it's going to look like next year. Because we don't know. We honestly don't know. We don't know what the possibility is that I'm just, it's very tough to think what they want to do in terms of how they can extend this this layoff. How long can we wait? Because I talked about it with a lot of friends of mine, a lot of close people I have in this business, and I, I asked them, what's it going to be like if the league doesn't play? Not just, you know, obviously it's an easy answer, the financial ramifications. It's hard to look at, you know, this opportunity of possible economic crash of some sort because this league there's a reason why you almost want to look at how much like you see the salary cap go up each year that's because the league is doing well it's not just because of you know hey there's just let's just keep going with inflation and whatnot now granted that is taken into effect but that's not how the game is the game grow the salary cap grows as the game grows unfortunately that is financially it's truth be told, the NHL is as popular it's ever been right now. That's the best part about what we have at this time. Unfortunately, as everyone else is realizing, the f- what's happening economically across the globe is sh- turning everything into shambles. All the progress the NHL is making right now is getting put to a screeching halt and darn near kicked backwards. And that's what the tough part about realizing all this is. Now, I'm not just going to say they need to play for financial reasons. That would be wrong for humanity, wrong as humans for us to say, given how everything is going right now. So there needs to be some give and take. If you do complete the season, you're looking at just complete and utter disarray if you go away with this, if you come back with the season and something happens. What that is, I don't know. But it happens, the playoffs happen, whatever. You have a start in December, it goes to July, and then hopefully at that point you have a reasonable start. I get that. That's the idea. But you have to think reasonably. Don't finish the 82-game season. Find an even number across the board, a fair number, and call it a day. Start the playoffs 
five-game series first round, just like they do in the NBA, a five-game first-round series, maybe a five-game second-round series. Try to do it as fast as possible. Okay? And then move on to next season. Hopefully start by mid-November, late November, whatnot. And just try to get back to normal as quickly as possible. I get it. The teams want fans in the building. Listen, we're going to watch NFL on Sunday. Listen, I'm serious, guys. We may be looking at the possibilities of having a Super Bowl with as many fans as there was at the first ever Super Bowl, which may have sold, I think, what, 35,000 tickets at Los Angeles Olympic Coliseum. Guys, I'm just saying, we're, we're heading into a very odd time and a very odd world. It is hard to see, hard to look at, but I don't want to say be happy with what we're going to get, but we're going to have to. As fans, media, players, fanatics, whatever you want to call yourselves, however you associate with not just hockey but other sports, We're going to have to be given a bad hand and we're going to have to play it. It's just a matter if we're going to fold or we're going to gamble. If we gamble too much, we're going to lose a lot more than just fans being able to go to a game. Yes, there will be financial ramifications. We kind of talked about that with the AHL and the ECHL and how it may affect them going forward from here. But we're looking at a time right now where there's a possibility that we're going to have empty arenas or half-filled arenas, it's going to be different. It's going to be tough for some of us to go to games. Trust me, I'm not excited to be missing. I love going to watch minor league baseball here in West Michigan. It may not happen this year. Fans that want to go watch their, their Blue Jays, their Yankees, their Diamondbacks, if there's any there. I know Texas, the Rangers, we're going to have a nice brand-new ballpark. It's going to be empty. It's an extremely odd time. We're just going to have to be together with this and get through it. I wish I, I wish I could give a more uplifting answer but and say, come November, December, we're going to have fans in the building. It's going to be a raucous crowd at Scotiabank Arena and Madison Square Garden, and you're going to have crazy people going across, the, across North America ready for more hockey and basketball and football. And it's just, I I like to think I'm an optimistic person at times, but sometimes you have to be realistic about these sort of things, and that's what I'm trying to be. I'm not going to try to BS any of you folks because that's not right. It's not right for me to come out and say, it'll be great, it'll be, it'll be better. The country took about three, it took them about half a decade, if not that, to get over the Spanish flu back in the early 20th century. That was with no technology. Now, I don't know how it's going to be nowadays, but... You think it's just going to snap your fingers and away you go? This is this this is this pandemic is just changing by the day. Fortunately, we're just going to have to fight through it. Now, let's get in some more I don't want to say less depressing hockey talk, especially if you're a Boston Bruins fan, but let's get in some actual discussion here. So, one of the big upcoming players that have been talked about, or one of the players that have been talked about 
most regarding this upcoming offseason and upcoming free agency, has been one Tory Krug. And I remember we talked about it a little bit during the season, Alex and I, because he is such a, such a great defenseman, and his stock is growing as his, as his years wear on, as he comes in game and game out. Shoot, I remember when he was the captain of the Michigan State Spartans, and he was the player I disliked the most, mainly because he was the captain of the Spartans, and I'm a Michigan fan. That was pretty much it. Fantastic hockey player. And I knew he was going to do great things. I didn't know to what extent, though, because there have been so many great players that come out of Michigan State that kind of have flopped at the NHL level. Ryan Miller is probably one of the few exceptions. Justin Ablocator has put together himself a great career, for the most part, for the Red Wings. But Tory Krug has, in his first what, six years in this league, has shown how good he is. There is no question that he is a very dynamic player. He's got speed, skill, can put the puck on net, can get under your skin, play physical, despite not being the biggest guy out there. He is arguably one of the top defensemen in this league. Now, I kind of don't, we dove into it just a little bit earlier on this year about what his contract is going to look like. What does it mean for a guy like him? How much is he going to be making moving forward here? Because there's a lot of great possibilities. As of right now, for pending free agents in the National Hockey League, he's the 13th highest paid player. He was making at around $5.25 million. That was his contract, or his cap hit, excuse me. His salary was even $5 million, which is right behind Nathan Horton's, which I'm glad that is over with, as Cap Friendly has it separated by cap hit, not salary cap. The top five, as of right now, in terms of highest cap hits that are UFAs, or excuse me, pending UFAs, Dustin Bufflin is number one with a $7.6 million cap hit. Alex Petrangelo with a 6.5, Brayden Holpe, 6.1, Corey Crawford and Taylor Hall at 6 mil, respectively, at 4 and 5. Then it kind of tails off a little bit here and there, but Krug is up there, and I'm looking at some of the defensemen. I'm using, of course, our lovely tool here on Cap Friendly. Now, the top three may look pretty bad, given how everything's going. Eric Carlson making 11.5, that's his cap hit with Drew Doughty with an 11 mil cap hit at number two, and number three is P.K. Subban with a $9 million cap hit. Now, yes, all three of those contracts look awful now because, well, Eric Carlson's playing with one foot. Not that great. Drew Doughty's playing an awful team. He's not getting any better. And P.K. Subban has far gone from his Norris season in 2013. But from there, you have a couple of respectable deals. You have John Carlson and Jacob Truba making an $8 million cap hit. 8.25 for Eric Carlson, the fourth highest paid defenseman in the NHL. Then you have Brent Burns, and you go down the list, and so on and so forth. Among current active NHL defensemen, Tory Krug, as I look down the list, is getting paid $5.25 million. Now, yes, that is the highest paid defenseman among all Boston Bruins. But as we have learned and as we know, there are a lot of 
good graces and good handshakes going on with that Boston Bruins Hockey Club to keep those players on that team, that brotherhood that everyone talks about, how close that all those guys are. There's a reason why Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, and David Pasternak are all severely, brutally, unquestionably underpaid players. And that's just their top line. I mean, you're going to look at a guy like Tory Crew who's going to get paid a little bit. Jake DeBrusque, if he continues to develop, he's making a chunk of change here in a minute or two. But looking at Tory Crew's contract, he's the 44th highest paid defenseman. You want to know some names, folks, that are above him? Jeff Petrie for the Montreal Canadiens. Anton Strauman, who's still making that 5.5 that he signed on with the Florida Panthers. $5.5 million after he is far and away removed from his early days, from his, I guess, his peak, if you will, with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Matt Niskanen, he's kind of turned it around a little bit with the Flyers. But you have Esselindel with Dallas. Nate Schmidt with Vegas. I'm not just naming out players that are bad, but I'm just saying these guys are higher than Tory Krug. And you guys can argue whether or not Tory Krug is better than these players. Ivan Provorov, yeah, great defenseman for the Flyers. Very underproven, though. Ryan McDonough, well... I'm not going to get into that contract again. Aaron Eckblad, tailed off a little bit. Ryan Suter, he's getting a little old. Shea Weber, yikes. And Brent Burns, we've seen now what happens when you put him on an underperforming team. He does not look like a Norris-caliber defenseman. Mark Stahl still making $5.7 million. Nick Letty with the Islanders making 5.5. Alex Goligoski with the Coyotes, 5.475, even though Goligoski's had a pretty good turnaround year. So... That said, where does Tory Krug fit in all this? They do have the numbers for all the defensemen up right now, currently with points this season in 18 or 19-20, excuse me. I'm going to click the stat line here. It will not sort it for me. That's nice of them. But Tory Krug this season is making, has put up 49 points. The only gentlemen above him in points are Alex Petrangelo, Victor Hedman, John Carlson. John Carlson leading all defensemen with 75 points. I'm just saying this right now. It's shocking to see how many defensemen are making that much more than Tory Crew, given how good he's played. Now, yes, there's other ones that make more than him that, like, you know, like Kale McCarr, Quinn Hughes, Tony D'Angelo from the Rangers, Vic, and Roman Yossi, that do make less than Tory Krug. But here is the big question we have here Does Tory Krug test the waters next year? Or do we see a little bit of finagling? from Boston Bruins, some of that little Boston clam, that New England clam chowder thrown on in this whole thing. Because you almost wonder. You really wonder what they're going to do. And so Tory Krug, reporting this off Sportsnet, Luke Fox wrote this article this morning, actually this afternoon, excuse me, 4.35 Eastern Time on April the 28th. On Tuesday's town hall interview from the, with the Boston Bruins, Tory Krug 
mentioned how Boston he was by talking about how his dog is named Fenway and all that. But he mentioned one thing when talking to the media, how saying how there has not been there hasn't been much discussion between Don Sweeney, the Bruins general manager, and Louis Gross, the agent for Tory Krug. And he said during his little interview today with the media, he said, quote, I'm very hopeful, and as I said all along, I want to be a part of this group and part of this locker room and part of this city. It's become home for us, and we love it, end quote. So he has had an incredible, no, there's no question, Terry Krug has put his stock through the roof. Now, now this is very interesting scenario here. I wish I could say that this would all change here. Because don't forget, we talked about the rollback. And there was also a piece done by Sportsnet on how Jake Muzzin is partner blessed that he got his contract. Chris Johnson wrote an article just a few hours ago about how Jake Muzzin's happy that he signed his contract before the pandemic because now teams are looking at this possible rollback, which means not going to be able to pay players as much. So you're looking at the possibility of Tory Krug's his value, at least his, I personally say seven million plus value, seven million dollars minimum. That value probably have to be dialed back a little bit just because teams are not going to be able to pay that. And I know there's got to be exceptions made for certain teams and how they're going to do it, but it's going to be extremely tough to know how the salaries are going to look in the upcoming year. But Krug has done such a great job, and he has earned his right to be paid like a top-end defenseman in this hockey league. No question about it. Here's the hard part, though. Where is that money going to come from at this point? Because it's superbly unlikely that the if the salary cap stayed the same, you could make an argument that he could get paid what he's worth. And if Boston does, obviously, a great deal, they make him like six or six and a half with like they always pull, like Don Sweeney always seems to pull out of his hat. That's amazing. Great. Awesome. Cool. Good stuff. Shake hands. Boston Dynasty forever. Whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to call it. You still have Tuka Raskin goal. Anywho. I just, it's so unlikely at this point that the salary cap will not fall back. That a player like Tory Krug may get underpaid and players' contracts have to be renegotiated and and fine-tuned, even though a lot of these players who are making inanimate amount of money, they're going to have to take a cut here. And that's going to be tough for all these players, and Tory Krug especially, because this guy wanted to make a few more bucks, and he was playing like a guy that deserves a few more bucks, and that's to say the least. So what is Don Sweeney going to do? Really, at this point right now, it's all up in the air because you don't know what to do. That's why, you remember, like he said, him, his agent, and Don Sweeney have not talked a whole lot, which makes this such an interesting scenario because you can't just say, all right, Tori, let's sign you to this contract because the last thing you want to do is all of a sudden snap your fingers and, oh, crap, we can't pay him that amount of money. And then you're looking at a possible buyout problem then you're buying out one of the top defensemen in the game? Uh, Guys, that's not a good thing. 
So right now it's a waiting game. What's the free agent market going to look like next year? How is it going to work? We don't know. Everything is so far up in the air. For a guy like Tory Krug, who literally burst onto the scene in those playoffs, where the legend of Krug became the biggest thing in the world, where they were comparing Tory Krug to gosh darn Chuck Norris. Okay? Even though, I don't know, Chuck Norris, yeah, Chuck Norris take ton, you know, Tory Krug. Guys, Chuck Norris almost beat Bruce Lee. Just remember that. And don't you dare give me that whole thing of Bruce Lee was scared to fight Chuck Norris because he was scared Chuck may actually win. That shows how good of a fighter Chuck Norris was. Anywho, nonetheless, whatever. I am saying that for Tory Krug, it's a very tough situation. As for all the other pending UFAs this year, Alex Petrangelo, who we talked about before, who has not even been negotiated with yet, the probably the reason why they're waiting on him is because they're waiting to see how much room they're going to have next season, if they have any room. It is going to be the strangest year, something we have not seen in 15 years. I would love to say that it won't happen, that everything will go back to normal tomorrow. And that's just not going to happen, guys. It's going to be a new game when we come back. How will it go? I don't know. That's definitely a good spot here to end on today's podcast or tonight's podcast. It's almost 11 o'clock Eastern time as I wrap this bad boy up. Thank you once again, folks, for listening to this week's episode. Remember to follow us at The Keel Podcast on Twitter. Use the hashtag The Keel Podcast. Use the hashtag TKP. Follow me on Twitter at TJKU29 for all of my stupid comments and snarky remarks towards people. And if you want to follow Alex as well, at RealAlexKuehl on Instagram or Twitter, whatnot, or excuse me, the real Alex Kuehl on Instagram. I don't know why he has it differently. I'm on Instagram as well sometimes. I got to get back into it. You think I would actually be able to maybe post more stuff around this time on Instagram? But I've been doing so much, you know, kind of side work with Davenport and other stuff and other projects I'm working on. That's kind of, kind of filled up my time a little bit, so... Thank you all for letting me waste a little bit of your time here. Stay safe out there. Stay clean. Make sure you social distance, all that good stuff. And please come back next week for another episode of the Cule Podcast. Goodbye. Hey. You know, something I have not done since I got back from Jamaica. Ever since we got married, something Kelly and I have been putting off on, I should probably get back to those thank you cards. They, they wouldn't notice if we didn't send them to them, right? <laughs>